Hello everyone, um, this second uh, episode of my podcast um, uh, Money, Politics and Power is about uh, the meeting we had uh, recently uh, with uh, our Klingendal counterparts in The Hague. Uh, we have established a, a roundtable, this is now the second edition, uh, an annual roundtable where, where we discuss um, European issues. And it's uh, of course interesting because um, traditionally the Spanish uh, approach to diplomacy in the European Union was uh, as follows. Um, always with Germany, never against France, uh, usually speak the fifth, because normally it's the German that starts and the French, then the Italian and then, or, or the, or the uh, British and then the Italian and then usually the Spanish. And um, uh, if you're on the opposite side of the Dutch position, you are on the right track. Uh, so, yes, uh, the Netherlands and Spain uh, are usually on the opposite side of the debate. But what is interesting is that if Spain and the Netherlands agree on something, then you will think that uh, a lot of other countries can come on board as well. And so um, the Netherlands has really started... Uh, a charm offensive with Spain because uh, they feel they are now losing one of their big allies, um, the UK with Brexit, and they need new allies, new like-minded, liberal, uh, free market-oriented allies, and perhaps Spain could be an important uh, southern ally. And for Spain as well, um, uh, it wants to go beyond the Franco-German tandem, find other countries, important countries that uh, uh, on many issues like climate change uh, or the deepening of the single market, they are on similar positions than Spain and therefore there is room there to, to work together. And I think that's the exercise of these roundtables. And so um, uh, we are going to uh, summarize, or I am going to summarize uh, some of the talks we had under, uh, under the Chatham House rule, which says that you can mention topics, the, the things that were said, but you cannot attribute, attribute them to any person or institution. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. So last uh, week, um, a few colleagues of mine and uh, myself, we went to uh, The Hague to uh, visit our friends from King Klingendal Institute, uh, which is the equivalent of Elcano in, uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, both are the main um, think tanks uh, in international affairs in both countries, uh, in the capitals. Um, and uh, we work closely with our ministries of uh, foreign affairs and other ministries, like Ministry of Economics, etc. And uh, so last year we started um, Klingendal Elcano or Elcano Klingendal Roundtable that uh, brings together not only experts from the, both institutes, but as well um, policymakers, uh, usually from the Ministry of, um, of Foreign Affairs, um, but it could be as well from the Ministry of Economics and, um, or Finance. And um, uh, this is in collaboration with uh, both embassies, so the uh, Dutch embassy in uh, Madrid. Uh, they were very keen to have the first meeting last year in, uh, in Madrid, and uh, now the Spanish embassy uh, uh, participated as well in, in this meeting in The Hague. 
actually the the um, uh, conference dinner the day before uh, uh, the more substantial meetings by both institutes uh, was hosted by the Spanish ambassador in its beautiful residence uh, in in this yes very beautiful residence in 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 the Hague and. Um, uh, so both uh, uh, staff from both embassies were as well in uh, in the meetings, and we had the pleasure as well to have the Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Netherlands, um, uh, Steph Block, and the uh, um, Secretary of uh, EU Affairs from Spain, uh, Marco Aguiriano. Um, this is. Very interesting. I mean, uh, we have not spoken about uh, Brexit in these meetings. That's what's very interesting. I mean, Brexit hardly came uh, about. Uh, and um, that tells you that uh, in many ways, uh, the other capitals have moved on, um, thinking that, OK, Brexit will be done and we cannot count with the UK. And of course, uh, last year, uh, last week's uh, election in uh, uh, in the UK, uh, confirmed that Brexit uh, will eventually happen. Um, this might be another podcast, what this means. I'm still um, thinking that Brexit means Brexit, but no one really knows what Brexit means. But anyway, um, that's not really the topic of this podcast. Um, I just wanted to summarize a bit, you know, some of the discussions we had with our Dutch uh, counterparts. Uh, I mean... Uh, what is interesting, though, is that uh, uh, it was really Brexit that brought uh, Spain and the Netherlands closer together. Usually the European Union was really kind of led by the Franco-German tandem uh, that works or works not uh, in, many, in many cases, but it is certainly indispensable. Uh, and um, uh, the UK was always the third, uh, the third uh, big power there. Uh, that could counterbalance sometimes, but the UK is now gone. And so um, countries like Spain and the Netherlands, Spain being the fourth uh, economy now of the European Union and the Netherlands the fifth, um, they need to uh, adjust to this new uh, configuration, power configuration, of course, as well. Uh, and this gap that the, the UK leaves uh, and uh, Spain and the Netherlands, both, they have always been very keen on, on free markets, free trade. Uh, they were like, uh, you know, liberal countries in the same uh, manner as the UK is, um, focusing on the single market, the importance of the single market. And, uh, and so it seems um, obvious that the Fra uh, Spain sorry, and, and the Netherlands can work uh, closer together in, in European affairs. And, and the idea of these meetings is really to, to uh, get to know each other better, uh, the Netherlands and uh, Spain, uh, in uh, EU-related uh, affairs, and start um, uh, seeing where we disagree and where we can agree and where we can col collaborate and, and cooperate uh, in, in the EU agenda. Uh, I always say that in many ways... Uh, the Netherlands and Spain are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. This is seen uh, now as well where the differences are, um, and they are uh, greatest in, in, in the discussions around the multi-annual financial framework, which is the EU budget that is now being negotiated. Um, 
The Netherlands is part of the Frugal Four with Denmark, uh, Sweden and Austria. They are saying uh, the EU budget cannot be more than 1%, while Spain uh, and others, uh, you know, uh, they are uh, on, on, on that particular front saying we need a, a, a bigger budget. We have uh, new challenges and we have a new world. We have the digital revolution. We have a geopolitical uh, landscape that is much tougher. Uh, we need to approach uh, kind of new uh, public goods in many ways, not only the single market, but um, related to uh, protection of uh, borders, related to um, digitalization, deepening of the single market, related to perhaps uh, a, a, a European Google, perhaps a European cloud uh, where to store our data. Um, well, certain issues that we need to, to, to challenge, sorry, to, 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 to approach together, uh, to tackle together. Um, think of as well uh, common research and development, think of uh, uh, not entire in, uh, uh, artificial intelligence revolution that we will experience on, on, on the platforms of the 5G networks and there uh, you need essentially more money, right? I mean, it's always said that, uh, and especially I think this was you know, something uh, that the, the, the Netherlands pushed for, that the European Union should be uh, doing, you know, more on the big things and less on the small things. Well, these are big topics. And um, Spain uh, is on the side of saying, look, we need to be closer to the European Commission's proposal of 1.11% 1, 1. of GDP of, of the European Union. Uh, while the Netherlands, with the other frugal uh, uh, countries, uh, they want to stick to 1.00. And so this was, of course, a big debate with our Dutch counterparts. Another, of course, big topic is the reform of the Eurozone. There, uh, uh, Spain, again, it's more ambitious, wants uh, more deepening, wants to move uh, toward a fiscal union with uh, a Eurozone budget, that not, is, is, you know, uh, not only there for, for um, com co competition uh, and, 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 and uh, competitiveness, sorry, and uh, so that it can be used as well as a, as a macroeconomic stabilizer. Um, uh, and there, again, the Netherlands doesn't really see the necessity and the view is... Uh, well, first we need to re reduce uh, risks, reduce um, the, the uh, non-performing loans, uh, um, uh, have more, more uh, um, stable uh, uh, national budgets, um, do more as well nationally in regards of uh, proper redistribution, the sense that in uh, um, the southern countries, uh, that's where more uh, inequality exists. That's where l there's less really money for uh, um, social policies. Uh, uh, and then, you know, it, it is precisely those countries that want to have uh, a Eurozone budget as a stabilizer to, uh, to, in a way, cover the holes that they have in their own countries. But uh, we should start with reforming those countries first. And then, of course, the, the view from, from Spain and other places is, well, why don't you help or why, why don't we tackle issues, these issues together? Uh, why don't we have a common pot? 
this common pot can be used, yes, to do some reforms in our countries that are perhaps um, less affluent, less um, uh, rich than, than, than you guys, but uh, um, uh, we need incentives uh, from, from, from the European Union that traditionally have worked fine. And that's where, in many ways, Spain could, could at some point, uh, be in line with the Netherlands in saying uh, we are happy to attach conditionalities to uh, more uh, Eurozone um, uh, funds or, or help, financial help. Uh, but, uh, well, this is a discussion where uh, essentially, you know, the, the Spanish view is we need to uh, move forward uh, towards a fiscal union and, and this can can mean, of course, having perhaps even own resources for the Eurozone um, and the Netherlands uh, is quite uh, um, um, tough in saying uh, this is a no-go for the moment. Um, and But then we tackled, of course, you know, some of the big questions. Um, we had uh, uh, three different panels, uh, so a full day of um, discussions. The first uh, panel was... Um, on promoting common values. There the discussion was really a lot about um, the European way of life, uh, what it is or not. Uh, we know the controversy that the new um, portfolio uh, of the Commission um, triggered, you know, whether we should protect it or we should promote the European way of life. Uh, what is the European uh, way of life? What are the common values? And there, I guess, you know, we agreed that well, Europe stands for certainly uh, uh, um, democracy, constitutional democracy. Uh, so the importance of the rule of law, the separation of powers, and you know the, the, the tensions that we have internally in certain countries, perhaps in all countries, uh, on this uh, uh, topic. Um, we um, we you know kind of agreed in many ways that uh, the, the the welfare state is part of our. Uh, way of life, that um, uh, the protection of mi mi minorities, uh, that Europe is secular, that it is plural, uh, that uh, you know the, the, the freedom of press, the freedom of expression, the freedom of uh, association. Well, I mean the, the range of European uh, values. Um, of course, multilateralism and how to promote that, how to to, to make this work, and how in in a world that that uh, China and uh, the United States, in a way, are less and less multilateralists than than Europe. How can Europe uh, push this agenda? And this led us to the discussion around a normative normative power. Europe uh, is it still a normative power? Can it use the the, the single market? Its big market the standards in its market to uh, uh, to change the behavior of others because they want to enter our market. And that was very interesting. That, of course, led us to the second topic, the second panel, which was China. What to do with China? And there uh, was a very interesting de debate. Um, uh, you know, agreement that uh, China has transformed, uh, the rise of China has transformed now uh, the geopolitical landscape uh, and, and in many ways the zeitgeist. Um, uh, geopolitics is back, the state is back, um, the combination between uh, trade, the economic uh, aspects and the geopolitical, the diplomatic um, 
aspects is blurred. They come together more and more. You cannot separate now economic economics from 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 politics uh, in world affairs. Uh, uh, certain countries now, like United States or China, of course, they are using uh, trade. Uh, um, uh, for their foreign policy ambitions, uh, uh, see you know the, the um, trade war between between the, the two, uh, see the whole row around Huawei and 5G uh, in, in Europe, uh, and and uh, the pressure from the United States uh, on that front, uh, and uh, generally, I mean you know the sense that Europe will need to now. Uh, compete with with two powers that integrate both, um, that are single countries, single statecrafts, and and Europe there uh, struggles with with adjusting to a new reality, because of course in Europe uh, you know there was a sense that we believe in free markets, we believe in the separation between the market and the state, we don't believe in state subsidies, state um, uh, aid, uh, uh, and you know. Uh, can we reform the WTO, uh, which is now uh, not operating anymore because the United States has uh, um, dismantled the, the uh, dispute settlement uh, uh, um, kind of uh, framework? And, and so uh, and we are in front of a new reality. Uh, and so this was a very interesting discussion. Um, uh, we uh, we even discussed whether the, uh, the European Union should uh, uh, introduce export controls uh, on, on on goods on, on on technological goods, for example, uh, that go to China. Um, we have discussed, of course, uh, the response of Europe to the uh, Belt and Road Initiative um, with the European Connectivity uh, Platform. Um, we have, of course, discussed um, whether we should uh, give up on China in, in, in Ch uh, or, or uh, keep engaging with, uh, with China. Uh, and there my view was that you know, China is not monolithic. Uh, there are liberal forces in China uh, and that we should uh, certainly not give up. And, and the view generally was that, uh, I mean, you know, a, a Dutch official was very clear that, that this was their view, um, that the European Union was a strong consensus. And, and you know, in Europe, there is more and more um, understanding that Europe needs to cooperate, coordinate more uh, um, in, the, in its position vis-à-vis -vis China. And we have now seen certain moves and certain steps in that regard uh, over the past years uh, with the communication of this year of the European Commission uh, stating you know, a, a common strategy uh, talking about cooperation with China, but as well stating clearly that China is a, a, a systemic rival. Um, and so that was very interesting. Um, uh, and then we, we had a, a debate as well on um, uh, towards a sustainable economy, uh, the Green New, New Deal. Uh, it was actually launched the day that we were discussing. This is uh, naturally a, a very important topic, uh, the European Union being there very uh, ambitious. Um, and uh, well, here um, the, the discussion really led us to, uh, to um, use the metaphor of the, the Christmas tree, right? Because um, we have seen that the European Union 
because in uh, trade it talks with one voice and it is quite good in negotiating uh, free trade agreements, not only free trade agreements, but agreements now that are comprehensive, that are not only about trade, so you attach to all these new agreements with Canada, with Japan, you attach certain um, elements that relate more to um, uh, social, labor, um, uh, environmental um, uh, concerns, and so you attach that uh, and you put clauses that if those are not respected, you might uh, stop trading or introduce uh, 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 measures, uh, you know, to 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 uh, uh, um, offset those possible uh, breaches of of of, of these policies, um, um, and so in many ways now free trade agreements and and the trade policy of the European Union is like a Christmas tree. Uh, you put more and more things attached to these agreements that you want others to do. Um, according to the European way of life, according to our values, our interests as well. And, um, well, the question is whether all these um, little bowls and ornaments that you put in this Christmas tree, well, whether they will not perhaps um, uh, put too much weight on the, on the tree and, 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 and collapse, collapse the tree, right? Um, and uh, yes, and, and, and there was a discussion as well about enforcement. I mean, you have all these uh, new treaties, uh, new agreements with important uh, economies, and you, you want to negotiate perhaps at some point one with the United States. I mean, we have a, a negotiation of the bilateral uh, investment agreement with, with China that is not, now not, not called anymore bilateral, but comprehensive. Mm, trade, uh, sorry, uh, 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 comprehensive uh, investment agreement, and so you attach all these elements that have not to do really nothing to do with trade or in this case perhaps investment because a lot of it is discussions about how much state, how much market, or um, how much you know environmental regulation, how much uh, labor uh, regulation, etc. And, uh, well, uh, this has been working so far, but we don't really know whether it can be enforced and what tools we have to enforce those clauses uh, and whether we are able to, uh, uh, I shouldn't say impose, but, but to enforce, or not, not enforce, but to, to uh, uh, make China and the United States agree on things that we think that they are, they are clear key on, uh, and, and should be uh, adhered to uh, if people want to trade with us, if people want to come uh, to, our, to our market. And so it was a very interesting discussion about, about all these uh, issues. Uh, we will meet again uh, next year, uh, perhaps with concrete uh, documents about, about the discussions. Um, but uh, in this occasion, uh, you know, this was really uh, the second meeting and the idea is to, to, to have a, a group that comes together uh, on, on a regular basis so that there is more, more, more uh, working spirit and that we can maybe produce <coughs> at some point, sorry, <coughs> produce at some point uh, joint, um, uh, joint papers.
And uh, well, this is all for, from from my side. I hope this was uh, interesting, and uh, I wish you all a, a merry Christmas and a, a happy new year. I guess um, we uh, will have uh, the next episode of this podcast podcast uh, next next year. Bye bye. Well, thanks for listening. Um, if you have any questions uh, or uh, suggestions, please uh, send me a, a voice message. Bye-bye and until next time.